This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back, Cowboys and Cowgirls, to the next episode of Ingles and Ian, presented by CowboysRifeForFree.com. And as always, the man, the myth, the defender of all things Thanksgiving, your good friend and mine. Ian, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good. Happy November 1st. Um, if you are listening to Christmas music or watching th- uh, Christmas movies, uh, you are wrong. Um <laughs> For Christmas movies, I'll say like you get a little grace period between the week of Thanksgiving because sometimes you never know. So, or like because my family will sometimes they'll start like during the week of Thanksgiving um, to start watching Christmas movies. So, little benefit benefit of the doubt there, but uh, for the most part, um, yeah, it's Thanksgiving season. Observe it. Thanksgiving matters. And uh, absolutely, and no matter what you think about it, Die Hard is always an option, even if it is, even if you're like, it's a Christmas movie, which is stupid, but still, <laughs> you can always watch Die Hard. I'll say this I haven't seen it, so I do not know if it's a Christmas movie or not. What um, you've got to yeah, watch I, Die Hard, dude. It's like classic of classic. I know. I you got to remember, I'm 20, and I don't know, we just haven't watched it. Yeah, oh, I don't man. know what to say other than I'm sorry. We just we just haven't watched it. Well, I mean, I will I will put this out there. I was in my 30s before I saw The Godfather, so I can yeah, I understand that. Eh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Kansas. Um, that was <laughs> a beat down. Like I I have seen many many KU beatdowns. And what our defense did to them in the first half should probably be a war crime. Like that was even for as bad as KU is, that was something to behold. I mean, it's the it's the least amount of points they've had all year with three, um, three interceptions, one from Colby Harvell Peel, one from Big Play Jason Taylor, and uh, one from I think a freshman uh, Nick Session nice. early in the fourth. Uh, they had zero first downs in uh, the second half, or in the first half, they had seven in the in the game in total. O for thirteen on third down efficiency, forty four passing yards, ninety nine rushing yards, and only like forty nine in the first half. Yeah, I think forty nine total yards yeah. in the first half. Um, this was Oklahoma State's best win. Because it was Kansas and because it was in such dominating fashion. So dominating, in fact, that it was 38 nothing in halftime. And at halftime, that's the most points they've scored all season compared to their other games. So, And the offense looked capable. And so just everyone in podcast land, I'm going to say stuff, and I don't have to say, granted, it's Kansas. So just just imagine me saying that before I give any takes. It's like, granted, it's Kansas, yeah. but I'll probably say, yep. Yeah, well, it's Kansas. Like that's all you could say. I mean, yeah, and they are bad, but it's still to do that to an FBS school is impressive. Absolutely. Um, Sanders looked competent today. 
uh, or Saturday, 12 and 19, 157 yards, two touchdowns. He looked good. He did look good. He had a couple of really good plays. I got some stuff on Sanders. I'll get to that in a minute, but the play calling was better. Uh, more misdirections, more flow to the game, not just pound the rock up the middle that like we've been doing. Um, you know, Sanders was moving around a good amount. You're getting Presley involved in the run game. They even had some tempo going. Like it felt like an Oklahoma State team should. Well, there are four players on the team with uh, 50 or more yards. Um, it's uh, Jaden Nixon, Sanders, Jalen Warren, and a guy I went to middle school with, Dominic Richardson, who had his first touchdown of the season. So nice. Uh, yeah, props. I mean, get the name drop in there. Yeah, 292 total rushing yards. Uh, that's just impressive. And then 243 total passing yards from everybody. Illingworth looked good uh, mm-hmm. in the brief little bit. It was out there. You know it's bad when Ethan Bullock plays. Yeah. That's how bad the beatdown <laughs> is. And he he went two of three for 16 yards. I mean. Well, it's like, because Sanders didn't even make it out of the first half. He got nah. pulled before the end of the first half. I was like, wow. That is, that is brutal. Absolutely, brutal. absolutely brutal. And that's what you needed. I think Oklahoma State fans have been clamoring for a long time. Hey, we want to see a blowout. Well, you yes. got your blowout. And so one thing nice. I oh I just lost my train of thought. Anyway, so yeah, I mean it was just fantastic. And I'm I'm really happy that both sides of the both sides came out firing. Yeah, it was your know, homecoming and they should be fired up. Night game, boom pickings, crowds roaring, everything. But it could have been really easy to have a letdown coming in this game of, oh, coming off our first loss, it's Kansas, we'll probably win, you know. So having them just come out swinging, even with the offense, is I really thought that was good. Yeah. Each- it shows some mental toughness, I think. Yeah, it was absolutely a phenomenal um, run for the offense because I think they they only punted once. Yeah, all all game, seventeen points in the first quarter, uh, twenty one points in the second quarter. Yeah, I mean they looked they looked they did look really good. So one thing I do want to like bring up is so Sanders is getting better. It appears. And so I'm going to run you through some stats. So especially the last three games. So he had that three interception game against Baylor uh, on the 2nd of October. Since then, he's only had one pick versus six passing touchdowns. In each game, his passer completion percentage has gone up. So actually ever since Baylor. So Baylor was 56.5. Then Texas, 49.4. ISU, 62.5. And KU 63.2. If he can start getting and staying in that 65% range, he's going to be very effective. Yeah. I mean, he played, um, his completion percentage is going to be a big factor. Um, I think we mentioned it, but I mean, his completion percentage, 12 and 19, I don't know the math on that, but um, I think it's six, 63.2. That's um, it's a much needed improvement. That kind of hits a little more than his, uh, his average the last two seasons is average now is 59.6. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I don't know where they might've been on the radio telecast or the, um, the TV telecast where they said Sanders plays better uh, October into November or like mid October to uh, later in November. So maybe it's that uh, I don't know, but I hope that he continues that improvement uh, down um, when we head down to Morgantown. Yeah. I mean, that would be something. And I really, with him, he didn't have any of those passes where you're just like, like you get scared when he throws the ball, you know, and that's been a big, big issue with him. It's like, you just get a little afraid every time he throws a football. And I think you noticed that with the play calling, like he was like uh, Dunn didn't have to, you know, yank back and, you know, tighten the, you know, tighten the leash on him and be like, all right, we're going to play safe now. You know? And, and I think if he flowed with it really well, granted he's, and he played a quarter and a you know a third or three quarters of the second quarter, but still, um, I mean, we've seen it time and time again. He throws one bad pass, and that offense just goes to you know conservative, 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 and you didn't see that. It's a hopefully that's a good sign. Yeah, um, you would hope that the uh, momentum continues to swing that direction. That's that's the hope. Uh, you hope that. Uh, OSU turned a corner, but you also got to be mindful. It's Kansas. It's Kansas. And I feel I like I think a lot of Cowboy fans, I'm not necessarily saying you, but I think a lot of Cowboy fans are holding on to that hope that because they did well against Kansas compared to OU, that's going to make them the Big 12 champion. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think so, but having – we needed one game like this. I don't care who is against. You, know, you figure it would have been against you know, a couple of games like this already in the season where we just dominate, right? You know, Missouri State should have been like this. Tulsa, not as much like this, but Tulsa is kind of iffy, uh, you know, and we've just been waiting for this to happen because – Let's be fair. We even joked about that 30-point line. We're, no one thought that they would cover that 30 points, even against Kansas. Oh, not at all. Oh, not at all. But I think you also want to have a game where you dominate somebody that isn't Kansas. Right. And there are opportunities to do so. You got West Virginia this week, TCU next week, which will open that can of worms in a second, Texas Tech, and then OU. And right now the AP poll uh, has been 11. OSU and then the uh, college football rankings come out or the playoff rankings come out uh, tomorrow. So what are your, what are your expectations for that? The playoff? Uh, I see Oklahoma state getting screwed just because we get screwed. And uh, I, I honestly expect us to be lower than we are in the other polls right now. I just because I don't have any real reason, even though all our metrics and everything else say, you know, according to some people, we have the third best resume in college football right now. Who said that? Oh, I saw uh, some. It was on Twitter. I, I saw it earlier. Um, but it, it's some metric, some one of the, one of those great rankings people that they use their metrics to determine uh, strength. Is, you know, like it's strength of schedule, quality wins, that kind of stuff. Because we've had, mm-hmm. and so. I could see as high as nine, but I'm guessing in that 13 range. That's not bad. I wouldn't be mad at that because here's the thing. There's a path to the playoff, obviously, for Oklahoma State, and it's win out. It's that simple. They 
really control their own destiny at this moment. So regardless of what the ranking is, if they win out, it doesn't matter. If they lose one, it also doesn't matter because you're not getting into the playoffs. So, right. Um, I mean, that is that is something that's going to be interesting to see because, like, you know, we always talk about like quality wins, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that Baylor win starting to look really good. It's yeah. looking good. It's probably one of the best wins out of anybody uh, currently because you look at OU, who is their quality win right now? Texas, Kansas State. They don't have a quality win right now. Alabama, who is their quality win? Mississippi, they just lost. Cincinnati, their quality win is Notre Dame. Notre Dame's actually is a really good one. Georgia, they're just dominant. Michigan, they have a signature win. Ohio State really doesn't. But Michigan lost, though, you know. I'm saying Michigan State. Yeah, uh, well, I thought you Michigan, said Michigan. Michigan State beat Michigan, so that's right. the signature win right now. Um, a lot of this, obviously, there's some, like, preseason confirmation bias or whatever. I think resumes, uh, they say a little differently. They won't say what the resume says. You want to go ahead and we'll do our top sixes just because there's the the four and then the first two out. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Georgia, obvious number one. Mm -hmm. Um, is, Is this how I would rank it or how I think it's going to be ranked? How would you rank it? Uh, Georgia number one. It's hard to not put Sparty at two. They're really good. Um, since he's three, um, OU is probably four. And then Bama in Ohio State. Okay. So I'm going to go number one, Georgia. Number two, Cincinnati. I don't trust Michigan State completely, but I trust them more than OU. So I'm going to put them at number three. OU will be four. I'm going to put Oregon at five and Ohio State at six. Uh, the reason why Oregon's at five is because that head-to-head matters so much in that instance. So that's where I put – even though I think I think Ohio State, full disclosure, I think Ohio State is the number two team in the country. I think they're the second-best team in the country. But ranking them right now, they're number six based off resume and criteria and all that. And I always feel like the – especially the – playoff committee they overvalue notre dame so i see them i don't know just being higher than they should be even though they're eight in the ap um it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle cincy and wake uh because they you know they've never been you know since he's been better but they've never been this good and wake is i don't know if they've ever been this good in football at least not in my lifetime best start ever for them i think they're gonna lose to north carolina or nc state and they're going to be out of the picture real quick. I don't believe in them at all. They haven't shown me anything. They lost, They almost lost to Syracuse in overtime. Uh, they barely beat Louisville. Uh, they ACC is a total crapshoot. They're they're going to lose at some point. And I, Clemson might take them down too. Their next four games are tough by ACC standard. <laughs> <laughs> not so subtle, Dig. <laughs> they have not been good this year at all, and they're not really that good. Like their main. Like the biggest team for them was probably Pitt this year. Like yeah. everyone, I think everyone just expects Wake Forest to fall. And you generally see a team like like a Wake, they'll start to make a run, but since they haven't been there yet, they'll fall off. You know, it's almost always they got to do it at least once and then fall off. And then next year, especially if they have a lot of guys coming back, 
you could see them really make a run, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I get that 100%. But what is Wake Forest's best win? Army or Virginia? That's the that's the debate you're having. And Virginia True. just got creamed by BYU. Army is, what, 5-2, and two, something like that? I don't know. They just Their schedule has been pretty weak sauce, if we're being honest. Yeah, there was a that was a, a lot of scoring in that BYU Virginia game. Yeah. 66 49 or something like that. Yeah. It's wild. BYU's a good team. They're they're gonna be tough when they come to the Big 12, especially because they're gonna be able to start recruiting Texas better. Yeah, uh, they're gonna be very tough. Also, I mean, like they usually have like veteran players because a lot of their roster is like 24 or something like that. Right, because also a lot of them go on that, you know, as a two-year mission for the Mormon church, and so they don't even start college till they're 20. Yeah. And that means they're going to have, like, 28-year-olds if some of them play all six years. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild. I'm going to have to start, like, this is going to be something i got to start doing, is, like, finding the oldest players that, you know, not, like, someone who came over late, but, like, Who's like the oldest roster in the country? You know, I think nine <laughs> times out of ten, it's usually BYU. It is generally BYU. That is true. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we got. It's going to be interesting to see how that that ranking comes out. I mean, we could have. I mean, there is a, albeit small chance. That by the end of tomorrow night, there's three Big 12 teams in the top 10. Uh, I could easily see Oklahoma State Baylor 9 10. Can you? I yeah. can't. I, I, I mean, can't. It, like I said, it's a small chance. But either way, we're going to have three teams in the top. I mean, we already have three teams in the top 15. So assuming no one drops below 15, that's, you know, everyone talked about how weak the Big 12 was going into the season, but, you know, Assuming yeah. Baylor wins next week, so does Oklahoma State a week from tomorrow, you could very easily be looking at two, or I mean, three top 10 teams because, you know, OU's got the bye. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I kind of look at they might put Auburn or AM ahead of both Oklahoma State and Baylor uh, because AM has the biggest win, which is Alabama, between the two. Uh, but I mean, they have two losses, obviously, and then Auburn's been uh, on a hot streak as of late. Uh, I don't think they've lost. Uh, they have not lost since Georgia, so I guess that's a two-game winning streak. But they look good. But Auburn and M are going to sort themselves out next week. So, right, and that's uh, that is one of the good things about because sometimes teams dodge other teams in the top ten, and so it kind of gets murky. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of these teams that have to play each other before yeah. it's all said and done. The path will be is going to be super clear uh, for several teams during the coming weeks. Because um, you take a look at, I mean, uh, Auburn, Texas A&M. You got Michigan State has to play Ohio State, I think, next week. Two weeks, I think. Because they got Ohio State, Scott, Nebraska. Yeah, and Ohio State takes on Purdue. Or, uh, sorry, it's the 20th. So, Ohio State's Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan. Michigan takes on Penn State next week. Oklahoma takes on Baylor next week. I mean, the path will get so much simpler as the season goes on. It, 
we love the chaos now, but soon it'll be like, okay, this is what she's either win or loss for like one team at the end of the day. That's yeah, it's win or go home for a lot of people going these, these last four weeks of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Also, man, there's a scenario where Wake Forest goes undefeated and they probably miss the playoff. Yeah. I th- they don't impress me at all. Hey, you can only play who's in front of you, right? Yeah. And this is why been- this is why they should have conference champions automatic bid. Yeah, but Wake I don't think Wake Forest is a top 14. The goal of the college football playoff is to get the best four teams in there. You cannot say with a straight face that Wake Forest is a top four team right now. I mean, who is at this point? Like it's Georgia and everybody else. It is Georgia and literally everybody else. It's like, I mean, with it seems like every week there's a top ten or higher team going down. You know, there's been more turnover in the top ten and the top twenty five since like the history of the AP poll going back to like the twenties or something like that. It's it's really is hard to see who, you know, is is good. I mean, even even Bama, what we were like, yeah, it's Bama, Georgia, everybody else, and they go lose to a, I don't know, good, bad, indifferent A and M team. I don't even, I don't know how to feel about A and M. You know, same with OU. I mean, OU has got their issues. I mean, they're and they've managed to mostly miss everybody. Well, they look good against Texas Tech, albeit it's Texas Tech, but... Well, Texas Tech, who just fired their head coach, too. They did, but they still look good. I mean, they did what they were supposed to do, and that was destroy Texas Tech, and they did. Yeah, I mean, that tilt uh, in Waco come the 13th of of November is going to be intense. Oh, 100%. That could easily be... Well, it's probably a top 12 matchup. 100%. Yeah. Who's, who's Baylor got coming up? Baylor is TCU. TCU. Uh, so you want to get into the coaching dramas? Oh, gladly. I can't believe it. It's in all of my years of watching college football, one of the stalwarts has been Gary Patterson. Now yeah. he's gone. I think TCU wanted him to finish out the season. But I think Gary declined it. I'm not sure. I've heard and seen multiple things, and, and including on PTI today, where they asked, they said they were going to let him go at the end of the season. And he said, I quit, essentially. That bums me out because I think Gary Patterson, he deserved to go out. You know, I wish they would have gave him like one more game for everyone to say thank you to him for what he's done to elevate TCU to where they are, but you got to go when you got to go. So, Uh, so I mean, yeah, he's had a rough couple of, of seasons, you know, but he's a still a really fine, really good football coach. I kind of wonder if he's going to land at one of these bigger vacancies. We had this discussion and I, I don't think so. If it was like 2017, then maybe, but since, Okay, so their last 10-win season was uh, 2017 in the Alamo Bowl when they went. Uh, that was not the one where they won. Uh, that This was uh, where they came back against Oregon. Uh, this was the one against Stanford. So let me do some quick maths. 
Yeah, well, it's, uh, I mean, he's 21 and 22 over the last four years. The 21, hold on. Let me do the math. <laughs> I got to confirm it. 21. Yeah, that's another team. Like, Because I remember the first um, college football oh, yeah. playoff rankings, uh, TCU, like, barely, I think they finished five. They finished, this is three on here. In the college football? No, they never played for in the college football. Oh, I'm saying post. Hmm. Right, post, right. Okay. And But they got, and it's, so it's they one were of six. those. Six, okay. But it's one of those things where there was a lot of debate on whether or not they should have been in. And there was that, like, last second loss to Baylor and all that stuff, right? And, you know, it kind of feels like that was their 2011 moment to where they win, they get into the college football playoff, just like if Oklahoma State had gotten the national title game, that completely changes the trajectory of your program because then you can get bigger, bigger, bigger and better recruits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I really think, you know, that, man, it just feels like if he had gotten there, just even, even if he got smoked in the first round of the college football playoff, I feel like that changes the, the trajectory for TCU. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Yeah, you, you could definitely say that. I mean, but they still, they went 11-2 and two in 2015. They were competitive in uh, 2017. But I think they just got caught up in all the, in everything in the Big 12. And they kind of just, I don't know, if, I don't want to say he uh, Gary Patterson coasted, but you kind of wonder, like, is that what happened? Well, the other thing, especially in that part of the world, is one, it used to be there weren't as many Division One football programs right around Dallas. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think even then, like, I don't know how long UNT has been Division One, but I don't think it's been all that long. You know, SMU was awful forever. So he had a stronger grip on just the Metroplex, right? Yeah, yeah. he's going to get people like OU, Texas A&M, all those guys coming in, but you know, I think now there's just so many division one programs that he's just, it's hard to fight for talent in Texas. Cause there's so, you mean UTSA is coming along, mm-hmm. SMU is coming along and those guys who went there probably would have ended up at TCU four or five years ago. You, okay. So where do you think, where do you think he's going to go? Cause I have a guess now in my head. I don't know. I could see him. Well, it would actually be kind of funny because, you know, um, Sonny Dykes at SMU, he's getting a lot of, you know, like maybe he's the next guy to go. Maybe he, like some people even say he might go to TCU. And so maybe they just like switch jobs. (laughs) That'd be, that'd be interesting in the case of like the iron skillet and everything and that rivalry. But I mean, I don't know if I were him. I mean, it would be hard to leave. He's been there for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's not young. He's not old. He's, he's like 60, 61. 
Um, maybe he doesn't want to relocate to, you know, I mean, I think just on, on, in, on paper, that Washington state job, it feels similar, you know, kind of harder to recruit to, but still, um, you know, I, I, I could, I wouldn't be surprised if we start hearing a little chatter, even if it's just a little bit of chatter about him to USC. If he can't cut it at a TCU, what makes you think he's going to go to USC? Oh, him at USC, he would be able to recruit so much easier to USC than he would be to, to TCU. I mean, just on brand name alone. Yeah, I know USC has been down the last couple of years, but you get the right coach in there and they're going to be winning Pac-12 championships again quick. I don't know about that. So this is where I – like I. I, USC wants to make a big splash hire, and I don't think Gary Patterson is a splash hire for USC, but he would be a splash hire for North Texas. North Texas is two and six right now. Uh, their head coach Seth Littrell, who's um, a Muskogee, Oklahoma guy, is in his sixth season. He's thirty three and thirty seven. The uh, I think North Texas thought they had turned the program around whenever uh, they had two back-to-back nine-win seasons. Since then, he's been four and eight, four and six, and is currently two and six. I think North Texas is going to give him the boot, and Gary Patterson is right up the road. I think he'd go there. I mean, that wouldn't be the worst thing. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I could really just – see him going you know what i'm gonna take a couple of years off you know he would be probably really good on tv uh so i I just yeah i i think it could be really i I don't know where he end up but i if i were him i'd probably just be like you know what i'm gonna chill out if that's the case which i i think that's probably likely I think that he'll probably end up on FS1 or he's going to end up on ESPN2. Like that's like on that, on those halftime shows. Um, that's where I kind of, I, I could see him there too. Now that you mentioned it, uh, but we'll, we'll see. It is also weird. Like I've never seen coaches in college football get fired in the middle of the season. Like it's happening right now. It is the seventh coach to be fired right now in the FBS. And going to Brett McMurphy. Yeah. But you know, USC, LSU, TCU, Tech, Washington State, and I don't know the other two. Um Connecticut. Oh, right. One. I, for, I forget they're a real school. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Um then man, who's the other one? I don't remember. And like, well, one of the things is like, got her, like, especially the Washington State job, that's non football related. You know, if he, uh, if it wasn't for COVID, he'd still have a job because he was doing fairly well there. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, he was doing decent. Uh, he was in his second year. So he, he was I starting mean, to get some momentum. You know, they had, they were doing decent this season. And so. Georgia Southern's the other job. So it's Connecticut, Georgia Southern, LSU, TCU, Texas Tech, USC, and Washington State. And with the uh, Texas Tech law or the 
with Gary Patterson leaving, that now makes Mike Gundy the uh, third longest tenured coach in the FBS and the uh, longest tenured coach in the Big 12. Who's so, ahead of him in the FBS? Uh, it is Kirk Ferentz and then Kyle Whittingham, who got hired in December of 2004, while Mike Gundy was hired in, de- in uh, January of 2005. Mm. So, I mean, both both of those guys, uh, or all three of those guys are consistent, but they also uh, <laughs> they don't win a lot. They don't win the big ones, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's true. Um we sh- well, we should have won. We should have been in the the 2011 <laughs> college football or uh, BCS championship game. I'll I'll die on that hill, and we probably would have won. And that changes the trajectory of your program. Uh, you said it, not me. I I agree with you. So what? How is so? There's like two football coaches in the Big Ten that like perplex me. Mm-hmm. It's Harbaugh and okay. Scott Frost. Harbaugh has got a terrible big game record like two and 13 against top 10 teams and scott frost is like losing like oh man, i don't remember the exact stat but they are awful at one score games it's like how can you be this bad like you're so close um and but you just can never cover it i don't know i think hardball is overrated i like hardball but him being at michigan is just somehow it just it's working, but it's not. He puts them in a position kind of like Utah, where they're good but not great. And our Michigan and our Michigan fans okay with being good and not great, which uh I I don't I don't think so. If they get I'll tell you this, if they get a win against Ohio State, then uh, he gets an extension for like four years. Oh again. sure. So but Nebraska, I want to say they're like they're getting there. But this is Frost's fourth year. So I think he's going to get one more year because let me look at the losses real quick. Lost by eight. OU, Michigan State. Lost by seven. Lost by three. Lost by three. Lost by seven. Lost by five. Yeah. All three of their losses or all six of their losses have been by eight points or less. And they face Ohio State. They face Wisconsin. They have three games left: Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa. I don't know. He could easily lose all three of those. So here, here's the stat I found: it's five and eighteen in one score game since 2018. That's that's a trend, you know. And you know, if he Nebraska could easily lose the three games remaining, and if they go three and nine, I think he's out. If they go five and seven. But I don't think they beat Wisconsin because Wisconsin's on a hot streak right now. They go four and eight. Man, I don't know either. They got a new AD. So, and they, and Alberts and uh, Trev Alberts and Frost know each other pretty well. He might stay for one more year because, I mean, look, if I'm looking, if all my losses are by eight points or less, I, I put a, I put two like top 10 teams on the ropes. That, that's not a terrible situation. And that might, and that could be something where, all right, you're going to give us, we're going to give you like half a season. And if you don't meet the expectations we have by 
a certain point in the next season, we're going to let you go. You know, so, I could huh? see if, if he were to, you know, lose his job at the end of the season, that would be a really good spot for Gary Patterson. Do you see him? I, I don't know why. I don't I see like him leaving Texas. I don't, but I don't know that. Like his makeup, you know, defense, you know, kind of forward coach. It feels very Nebraska y. Good news for next season. Your non con is North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and OU. You don't have to face Ohio State or Michigan State. Your best game is either Michigan or Wisconsin in the Big Ten. So, there's a chance they make a bowl game there. I mean, who knows? That's me projecting into 2022. So you're saying um, there's a chance. Maybe. There's a chance. There's a chance. Well, is there anything else you want to hit? Or we pretty much exhausted because there's really not a whole lot to talk about when it comes to Kansas. Now, we'll, I mean, we'll preview West Virginia probably Thursday just because – I feel like you can wrap up West Virginia in one episode. So, uh, we I can mean, do a so it's going to be interesting. I mean, yes, obviously anything can happen, right? But Oklahoma State should be favored every game going into Bedlam. And if they, okay, take, take, if they take care of business, Bedlam's going to get really, really rowdy really quick. Because that, that would be – I mean, assuming OU takes care of business too, which isn't a guarantee, especially mm-hmm. that Baylor game coming up. I mean, that could be something like three versus six could be massive, massive. Here's a question. Where's your hype train at now? I'm cautious. Um, Morgantown's a weird spot. Like I always, no matter how bad West Virginia is, and I don't know, I don't know what to think about them. They're all over the place. Uh, but man, we go, if especially, especially if we can keep up some of this, offensive momentum and after West Virginia if we put up if we look good you know put up maybe 35 38 points and that kind of thing man it's going to be full steam ahead especially because this defense is as we've talked about all season is that good uh I mean I'm optimistic the ISU loss was demoralizing but I'm feeling pretty good after KU. Yes, it was Kansas, but still. We are somehow, and I, and I didn't think we'd be this way, but we're four games left in the regular season, and we have a clear path to the Big 12 championship game and to the college football playoff because if we went out and beat OU twice, assuming you know it'll probably be OU in the Big 12 title game, I don't know how you can keep us out. If you if if OSU wins the Big Twelve championship and other dominoes fall, I'm sure that they're in. Um, I my hope train is currently at a five because I think that you hop off the train whenever you get to OU, but you're still still cautiously optimistic. You get through the next three weeks. Uh, TCU firing Patterson was uh, it adds to some of the intrigue of that game or kind of adds a little less, but then you have the blackout coming up. Yes. You have the, I mean, Barry Sanders retirement. That's why, I mean, even at the beginning of the season, I was like, I don't 
think that OSU is going to lose that game just because there's a lot of riding on it. Um, I mean, you never know. But, yeah, I, it's hard not to look at the schedule and be like, yeah, like they probably couldn't lose. They probably won't lose, but you're still, you're still worried. So, I mean, look, whatever happens, happens. They're in a bowl game regardless. They are seven and one. So worst case scenario, you finish seven and five, go to the Liberty Bowl. I like Memphis, so that's fine. Best case scenario, you're looking at a New Year's Six or a, uh, uh, you know, Big 12 championship and a college football playoff berth. Yeah, it's going to be something. It's going to be something. It's going to be a wild month, man. Absolutely wild month. This is what college football is all about, man. Getting to November and uh, hoping for the best. <laughs> uh, and before, before you sign off here, big shout out to Tulsa getting their first game day appearance. Yeah. How about that? I mean, they're going to Cincinnati, but you kind of look at the schedule and you're like, wait, that's the game you're going to? <laughs> I thought the same thing, but. But you look at the original schedule, how plans have been derailed. There was Oregon, Washington, and uh, Washington lost to Montana. So that was a no-go. LSU is in tremendous turmoil. LSU, Alabama, that's what, that's what they usually go to. It's so bad, in fact, that CBS didn't even pick it up for the 7 o'clock game like they usually do wow. uh, for a doubleheader. It's on ESPN at 6. So uh, the other option was um, – think Auburn A&M but I don't know if that's I because I assume they'll be going to the Iron Bowl or Bedlam but maybe there's an opportunity down the line where they get Auburn or something or A&M I'm not sure but we're in for a heck of a Saturday and the slate's not super great but that's where the upsets come you said that a few times it's just complete anarchy (laughs) yes this is two, this is very this is a 2007 style season man and I I love it. It feels good to have variety, you know. Yes, yes absolutely. Wake Forest having their best start of the season, that's great for college football. Uh Alabama being knocked down a pedestal, honestly great for college football. Uh, not the traditional powers winning every year. Like Georgia, you don't consider Georgia a traditional power. You consider them a good program. You don't consider them a trad- traditional power. Right. But, yeah, I mean, this is – I love college football so much, and I hate the fact that it's almost over, but we still got we still got a lot of season left. And I, I always look forward to Saturday. Always, always, always. So we'll be back on Thursday to break down West Virginia – and the craziness that is Morgantown. Uh, So we will see y'all in a few days, Cowboys and Cowgirls. Have a good one.